Hello and welcome back to the other 99% podcast where we take a step back from the 1% gains that society has become obsessed with and instead talk about the other 99%. Throughout this series we will discuss everything from nutrition to sleep, training methods, work-life balance, leadership and mental health. Well done. Thank you George. How has your week been? <laughs> I say it's been all right, it's been absolutely exhausting. Um, oh, it sounds like a bit tired. I won't lie. A bit tidy. Yeah, we were joking earlier there, probably, that both our whoops are like, "What the hell are you doing? You need to rest." But if you just keep training and don't recover, you'll get fitter, right? Yeah. Well, I've been <laughs> red three days this week, yellow two, green two. Oh. So yeah, say, it's been a tough one. What's been uh, what's been making it so tough for you? Two of the nights, I've just been getting woken up by people coming back from nights out which obviously I'm far too boring and work too much to ever go out. So <laughs> quite frustrating. The joys of shared accommodation. Yeah, shared accommodation and having to work every single day. Still living the seven day, a dr- day, the week lifestyle. Now, do you, do you know what? It's, work's actually settled down a bit now that we've got our full team in place, but I was on the weightlifting course this weekend. You enjoyed and, uh, that, didn't you? You broke up a little bit then, say that again. I was going to say, you really enjoyed that, didn't you, that course? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that, yeah. yeah it it's brilliant. amazing, you're in a, in a room full of S&C coaches and no one's got a clue about lifting. It's unbelievable. <laughs> that's, not, that's not even a joke, just no one had a clue. Oh, well, why would they? At least the, the industry's in good hands. Yeah, the good news is that this one's funded by the FA, so everyone there worked in football, so the level's just really, really good. Yes, you're, you're going to get promoted in no time. Uh, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, what have uh, you been up to? Well, I had that exciting news, didn't I, that we were talking about yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. In being accepted onto the Channel Relay swim team uh, for June. So that's, well, it's pretty exciting, actually. I've had that on the bucket list um, for quite a long time, and I've been looking into it and for a solo person with one of the governing bodies, about a three-year wait list. Um, so to get in, was it like eight months, something like that? Um, seven, eight months to do it as a relay for the first time is, yeah, I mean, pretty awesome actually. So that's been a big one for me this week, sort of giving me a bit of a boost, um, something to, to really look forward to and focus on. Um, still pushing on with the, the polar bear challenge and the cold water swimming. That's actually been going quite well. Um, like definitely starting to feel an adaptation. Like I'm spending just as long in the water now as I was at the start, but it's it's significantly colder now than it was. We've gone from 15 to kind of sub 12 now, so it's quite quite fresh. Nice. And when is that channels from again? Is that in the summer? Did you say? Yeah, it's in June. But I mean, the qualification is quite difficult. Um, you've got to do an hour and a half in water that's sub 16. Get out for an hour and then get back in for an hour. Um, so that'd be quite well. I mean, it'd be a challenge, but I guess they have to make it quite strict. Otherwise, I don't know. A few people probably get quite sick when they do it. But um, yeah, so doing that qualifications swim in the new year, I think, uh, and then all the paper can can kind of get done, and it and it happens in June. So yeah, fingers crossed. Then are you still going to take on the solo one at some point? Do you reckon, or you'll be happy with the relay? That'll be. Uh, I'd love to. Be happy with it, but 
I don't know, a solo channel swim is pretty cool, I think. Um, yeah. we're probably quite a long way off being able to do that right now, but as a kind of like long-term goal, that's, yeah, definitely on there. Nice. So on the podcast today, we're going to cover the second half of um, Transcendence, which is the book by, always get his name mixed up, Scott Barry Kaufman or Barry Scott Kaufman. Scott Barry, isn't it? <laughs> Scott Barry. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Kaufman. Yeah, we'll call him Dr. Kaufman, that's easier. Yeah, butchering it from the start. So, I've only got about three key messages, which I could probably tick off in about two minutes, so I'll let you elaborate a bit more, then I'll chip in with. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, so the, the first bit of this, it was, it was sort of split into two, wasn't it? And I actually found this side of the book a little bit more uh, applicable to life, I think. It was less research-based and more kind of personal challenge-based. Um, the first bit was about peak experience, which is something we spoke about with um, Jo when she came on about the Olympics. Yeah, uh, It's a topic that you quite like the idea of, and it's something that, I don't know, now I've got this new goal sort of set in my life that I'm, I'm thinking that might be the next peak experience. But um, they're also known as transformative moments, and, and I thought that was quite a good way to look at it because... I think the peak experience is like we've had that experience and that's it it's isolated whereas if you look at it as a transformative moment it's it's almost like a a period of time that develops you in the future um yeah the thing i always remember and i don't think he covered this in the book but just from reading around the subject uh probably about a year ago now but yeah you go back into your day-to-day life with like a heightened sense of um like confidence or just see the world slightly differently and like you said transformative moment is a really good way of framing it yeah um and it was linked with this stuff um it's called episodic memory i think isn't it where you link emotion to um to an event and because of these peak experiences are such kind of pinnacle events in our lives we have a a strong emotional response to it so it's always something that we can fall back on because it's like truly ingrained in our memory because of that emotional link and that that kind of formative tie so um i quite liked that that it's something you can almost rely on as a almost like a safety net to to give you a bit of a boost when things get a little bit more difficult you can think back and very clearly picture how good things were at that particular moment yeah um i actually i considered the other side of this as well the probably the same is true for like particularly low moments as well um so you know it's the same same concept of like episodic memory if you've had a particular incident and a strong emotional response i know that it's kind of away from peak experience about as far as you can go but um we can draw on what we learned and he spoke about how people develop from um like trauma didn't they emotional and physical trauma in in our last episode so i think that this kind of links quite nicely into that but people who have experienced these peak experiences like you say they go back into normal life and they have a greater appreciation for for basically everything um a a sort of heightened state this idea that they've got a a little bit closer to self-actualizing um and transcending above sort of normal human experience and i think it's quite important to say that they're getting closer to self-actualizing because the idea is that you never fully reach 
a target, do you? There is no end point to this mm-hmm. subject. There is no limit to human growth and development. Um, so yeah, that was yeah something I quite liked about it. This linking in growth again. Have you thought about any peak experiences you've had in your life that you uh, reflected back on when you were reading through that? Yeah, I think um, there there are several like sporting successes from when I was a lot younger that I picture very clearly. Uh, I think from a, from an individual perspective, I know I was massively helped by other people, but doing the Lands End Strong Growth Cycle, um, I could finishing that and the end of that when I reached there so I think that probably sits at, at the highest point of my my peak at the moment anyway you yeah um yeah I probably had a like a few sporting ones and but then I think there's a few things that stick in my head like one of them would be that South Africa rugby tour when we, we were just sat by a watering hole quite late at night um and like all these animals were coming down to the watering hole like that's just stuck with me for ages I don't, I don't know why but um he spoke about being outside in nature um is linked to peak experiences a lot of the time but it just gives you a greater appreciation for life I think yeah um oh, it's just such a good opportunity for me to have a go at social media again I love it <laughs> um <laughs> into walking um, this is definitely on a bit of a tangent, but uh, I'm not able to run at the moment, but I am able to walk and, and cover this sort of some decent distance. So I went out for a walk, but I decided just to not take my phone with me tonight at all. Mm. Um, and I, ha- I would say I, I use the do not disturb function quite a lot, but I haven't gone away and had no means of communication for quite a long time. And it was it was only an hour, but it was properly refreshing. To, yeah. to just disconnect and I think that because all I could hear was owls and deer and stuff like that you know being in the countryside it, it certainly it, it wasn't a peak experience but it certainly heightened the experience just having that yeah. disconnect from from everything basically yeah cause like when you're constantly plugged into your headphones it just it like blocks you from the outside world doesn't it yeah and I think there's a time and a place for both isn't there like we want people to listen to podcasts that's why we're doing one but at the same time I think we forget how to be bored sometimes and if we if we don't if we don't have that element to our lives sometimes we forget to appreciate what a peak experience might actually look like yeah I Um, think for some people they'd say like kids or their wedding day or something like that is probably right up there isn't it yeah yeah well that was the other something we haven't touched on yet in like some people have these really euphoric moments um and then it might link on to this next part that stuck with me but um he talked about the use of drugs and i can't remember what he talked about mdma didn't he and i can't remember yeah. the name of the one um i just got down about mdma because that was the the, cl- the sort of very clear one um yeah some, some people some people when they're on drugs talk about that as being like some of the most euphoric moments of their life which is maybe we just need to all do more drugs (laughs) I think from I mean we listen to to James Smith we like to to plug his content he he sort of speaks about accessing different parts of the brain doesn't he and and that sort of thing um you know not going to advocate for sort of recreational drug use but he was talking about it in a medical sense wasn't he that they've been used to treat um post-traumatic stress disorder 
um, and varying types of depression as well to um, basically remove the brain from its current state. I think yeah. the the theory behind it, obviously the book wasn't about that. So I'm a little bit unsure on, on the total research. Um, but in this natural segue from drugs, I'm just going to bring us back into religion because obviously that's the next stepping stone in his book. Um, yeah. I think that he put a lot on... Um, a lot of idea about peak experience into religious experience and he sort of had different names for it so inward light objective consciousness god experience um yeah so there's there's lots of different names for what we're referring to as a peak experience but i think that belief in something bigger than ourselves is or being part of something bigger than ourselves is is quite influential in that, um, particularly when it comes to religion, because, you know, millions and millions and millions of people all over the world live their lives in a religious fashion because they believe in this greater person, don't they? And I think that links nicely into peak experience. Yeah, and it, well, it links back to his chapter on purpose as well. And um, being able to help others is like the very top of that pyramid of self-actualization that can give you greater meaning and purpose in life by helping others um but obviously we won't go over it again but having all those other layers of the pyramid in place can allow you to do that more effectively yeah absolutely um and then he Maslow sort of spoke about theory z didn't he yeah. and this was an interesting concept because it's super obvious when you think about it but how can we um how can we understand human life and purpose in general if we don't actually take into account the kind of top end possibility and how good life can actually be so his quote was human life will never be understood unless its highest aspirations are taken into account so where do we set that bar what is the highest aspiration and we've spoken about it so many times that people overestimate what they can do in a in a month or a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. Well, yeah. if we expand that even further, we're just grossly underestimating what we can achieve in a lifetime. Yeah. And I sort of, it definitely made me rethink how I look at life because I'm certainly very guilty sometimes of looking quite short or medium term in, in terms of goals or things that I am looking to achieve. Whereas I think that can take away from just enjoying being yeah yeah i completely agree i actually asked one of my mates who's just moved to london as well like he he works in, as a strength conditioning coach as well and i was like what's your long-term plan he was like i'm just gonna stay in london for a couple of years until i'm bored of it and see what happens next I, I don't think many people have a really really long-term plan my my boss's boss at the moment is so clear on where he wants to be in 10 15 20 years but i think that's rare i don't i think most people don't have that vision of where they do want to be in 20 30 years time i think there's two ways we can look at this isn't there because we've we've spoken before about goal setting and having that north star goal and having that overall aim that we want to get to i don't necessarily think i i think that's important to have but equally the way in which you get there and the journey you take for that can be so different yeah. depending on what happens but also if that goal ends up changing then well so be it yeah, yeah. So you've got some direction instead of just kind of wandering. Yeah, that's it. There's a big difference between appreciating the present and just sort of standing still and and not achieving anything, isn't there? Yeah. 
but I, I still don't. Well, yeah, my, my goalposts have probably changed more than most people <laughs> over the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, and he spoke about this in the education setting and that hit home for me, obviously, um, that that being where I spend most of my waking hours. Um, and he said, imagine if schools weren't only places to learn standardised academic material, but were also places full of wonder, awe and self-actualisation, as well as hope for humanity. That's a pretty grand quote. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that happens at times, um, throughout time at school. Like I think particularly through sport, there's a real opportunity to self-actualise. And I think sport's a, a really great one because you don't have to be good at it in order to achieve that kind of peak experience, do you? You know, yeah. if you're terrible and you don't enjoy physical activity but you run every step of the cross country that's absolutely fantastic that's a brilliant thing done and you can have that peak experience despite you know not being the fittest and he already spoke in in the first episode about how iq is relatively uh unimportant for self-actualization so school is really this um kind of smelting pot of ideas where we can at least open the discussion of self-actualization you know we never spoke about that sort of thing when we were at school yeah no, there's there, well there's tons of stuff and the education system does take a bit of a battering doesn't it but um when i think of the stuff i wish i learned about at school like finances would be another one yeah um, people people are always like right well we're gonna have a go at the education system for this 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 and this and you say well okay that's fine uh how would you make it better oh well i don't know yeah yeah all right, well, you, you, <laughs> you want less of this, more of that, but you, you haven't got any idea how to implement it. Because um, it probably does give you most of the principles. Like, if you do maths and then you understand compound interest, then like, you can probably get your head around finance quite easily. But the, I, I think most people just don't make those links. Maybe more people should do, like, critical thinking. We had, we had that for a bit of school, didn't we? We all had the option to do it. Um, yeah. I think I've lost you. Yeah. yeah, I took it there. No, I'm right. Oh, uh, there you go. It's working now. Got a few technical difficulties, have we? Yeah, I think you've got poor Wi-Fi again. Might have to cut that bit out. Shock. Yeah. You got me? We good? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've got you again. I've probably missed like the last minute. All right, I'll just do a little cut on that one. That's okay. We live in the 21st century, so we can do anything we like now, can't we? Yeah. Um, did you hear what I said about critical thinking? Yeah, and I was I was just joking that I took it for A level because it was one subject a, a week, like one lesson, and it got you a whole A level. And then I when it came to yeah, but when it came to taking the mock. <laughs> Given that I've actually done quite well academically, I've got zero percent. <laughs> I've got do you, do you know what? I don't think I actually understood what critical thinking was until maybe 18 months ago. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So I opened the paper, answered the first question, got it wrong and was like, this is not for me. Yeah. And I just it. <laughs> that was it, done. 
But if like the ability to think critically, like you, I see it in work all the time now. Like people just lack it. Yeah. People that, don't understand how to think like that. Common sense as well. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the biggest things I've learned, and I wish I'd been a better at it when I was younger, is the ability to reflect. Yeah, again, well, that's something that we had to do for university. But at the time, I thought this is a load of rubbish. I don't care about reflective practice. I just want to teach people how to lift weights. Um, and that was, yeah, that was, and then I had to come back to it in one of my internships and do reflective practice again. And I still hated it. Um, but then, like saying that, I think people reflect on their own all the time in their head. But going through a process of using those reflective cycles and actually writing down reflections is very different to yeah absolutely um, reflecting in your head i actually did one of these and, and we will come to it later with the seven principles for becoming a whole person but um i did one of these over lockdown where i asked um some friends and some people i used to work with basically uh, just like a, a bit of a, a wider range of people to basically assess my character um positives and negatives and yeah. It's a set of um, like standardised questions. You know, I didn't, I didn't come up with them myself. Yeah. And I think you have to be very prepared for the honest answer. Like yeah. it was, it wasn't comfortable reading. You it, know, makes, it makes you feel really vulnerable, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. Um, but I would like to think that I've improved on some of those things as a result of of doing that exercise. Yeah. Now. You know, although I, I bet most of it was positive, but you would just cling on to the few negatives in there. Yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, that was the purpose for it. It's areas yeah. of development, not areas. I suppose areas of strength are useful because it's like, okay, well, I'll 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 show more of that type of behaviour. But also, it is useful to know how others perceive your negatives. Yeah, and it's where your blind spots are. It's that's the areas you need to develop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one last bit I wanted to talk about with this was um, the plateau experience. Yeah. So we, we've talked about transcending and we've talked about um, this idea of self-actualization and rising above the norms of human existence. Um, but this was something from the Zen monks um, and now from kind of humanistic psychologists as well, um, that the sacred is in the ordinary. Um, so it's to be found in daily life, in your family, your neighbours, like it's literally in our backyard. Um, this ability to live in this higher realm of existence, basically. We don't have to have peak experience after peak experience. You know, if we are abiding by these principles and living through growth and sort of being true to our values, we can actually self-actualise without climbing Everest or whatever silly thing other people might have done uh, in their lives, which is great, but it's not necess it's not necessarily necessary. Yeah. To use the same word twice. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I found that part of the book really refreshing. So I, I my, my mind was wondering to what can I go and do to um, experience this myself? So that, that does bring you back and grounds you a bit more like you don't have to go off and do all these amazing things. You can experience it day to day without doing that. Yeah. And we've, we've spoken about it a lot in terms of training. You know, the job of a coach is to get someone in the gym doing the same thing pretty mm -hmm. much like day in, day out 
and make it fun and then in six months time they absolutely love the results yeah you know but getting enjoyment from that process and enjoying the journey as opposed to just focusing on destinations which nowadays when everything is so like next day delivery instant messaging it's also immediate isn't it i think it's really easy to forget that some things take time yeah but that's a really good example though because an hour pt session can be the fastest or slowest hour of your life like depending on who you're with so I, I think that's a really key message surround yourself with people you want to be around especially people you work with you have to spend a bloody lot of time with them yeah it, yeah it will completely change that experience for you yeah for sure um i don't know what i made of this b realm and d realm uh element sort of the d realm is about deficiency thinking and um, it's about sort of the idea of being essentially Uh, but I did like some of the the messages because it it has aligned quite nicely with some of our values and some of our recommendations and the big one was to cultivate periods of quiet meditation Um, I'm such an advocate for that now I think it's absolutely amazing Um, like periodically switching off from schedules calendars phones like all of that and literally just checking in with yourself um and then there were two bits that i i really liked so one was joined and it was embrace your past and embrace your guilt rather than running from it um and this comes into our seven principles about accepting the whole self but you know nobody is perfect and we've all done something or behaved in a certain way that we're no longer proud of and I just thought that was really, really good to kind of create that acceptance because that's what this is, isn't it? It's a a comprehensive global way of looking at our existence. And if we can't accept and embrace the past, we're never going to fully move on from from that version of who we were. Um, And then the next one that I really liked um, was never underestimate the power of one person to change the world remember one candle lights the whole cave and I know that sounds incredibly profound for um well for us for you and me basically but (laughs) (laughs) but it was good wasn't it and you know we're not that candle (laughs) you're my candle (laughs) stop flirting (laughs) trying to do a podcast here But there's there's other versions of that, isn't it? It's like if you ever think you're too small to make a difference, try sharing or sleeping in a room with a mosquito in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's my less romantic one. Yeah, try living in my house. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, just this idea that sometimes I think everything can just feel a bit too much. But actually, like everyone has the ability to make a difference yeah um, that that was my takeaway from that I, that, that I was very profound i think that's the most profound thing we've had on this podcast but hell should we just quit let's just stop there that's it my drop we've been up there <laughs> uh we won't because we've got the bit that i really wanted to talk about which is the seven <laughs> principles so i'm gonna keep going anyway <laughs> so what are you want to the third third principle now are you uh no i haven't even started oh uh, you haven't even started i thought no i've just been warming up uh, okay nice <laughs> I've been doing my own linking between the chapters. Okay. Um, in-depth reading late at night. 
Um, I definitely need glasses now. If I didn't before, I 100% do since we started doing all this reading. Um, you, that's, that's some more news I've got. I'm actually getting my laser eye surgery next month now. Oh. But I'll, yeah, it's a bit of a tangent. We'll, uh, we'll get through these seven principles. That's exciting though, isn't it? Yeah, I might be able to see. Are you nervous? Um, no, not really. I, I trust in venison. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, so the idea of these seven principles was that it's reinforcing what you and I have already said about becoming whole, self-actualizing, transcending is not about a destination. It's about this idea of constant growth. And it's basically a concept surrounding aspiration rather than something we can physically achieve. Um, and I actually think that some really, you know, high achieving people will probably struggle with that idea because they're always finishing something and always completing something. Um, number one was accept your whole self and not just your best self, because we, we do, I think, sometimes paint ourselves in a, a better light than perhaps we should do. And, you know, I think back to this thing I did in in the lockdown and nothing that anyone told me was like it wasn't a shock. You know, what was your feedback? Yeah, it wasn't anything that I was unaware of, but I had chosen to not acknowledge that side of my personality and my behaviour. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've painted this out like it was truly awful. It really wasn't. Um, but, you know, it wasn't something that I was applying any of my conscious energy to. So this idea that if we do step back from from life and we do reflect honestly with ourselves because that's it isn't it we're doing it with ourselves not with anyone else so there's no need for any embarrassment or or anything like that because it's just you and you but when we do that we can like actually accept and then grow and develop but if we don't do that it's like trying to play sport with an injury you're never going to quite be 100 percent. and it's a really hard thing to do that yeah really it's really really hard to be honest with you. i do the same thing at work and do you remember when I applied to go on SES who does wins? And I, I asked you and Tricky and a few other people, you had to describe me in three words. Do you remember yeah, doing that? Yeah, yeah I can't repeat those words on here though, can I? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is a really, it's a hard thing to do and it does make you feel really vulnerable and it's almost like you don't want to, well, this is how I felt when I do that kind of stuff. It's like you don't want to know your real self. Yeah, because you're almost afraid of what it might show. Yeah yeah um and again that's the same thing like you did for work we call it uh 360 feedback but you ask everyone you work with to like fill out these set of questions and give you feedback on anonymous? what you like yeah sorry say that again is it anonymous yes anonymous yeah i was gonna say because then the truth actually comes out doesn't it yeah because equally we don't necessarily want to give feedback so when you ask people for feedback you need to ask the right people that you know will give you an honest answer. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, making it anonymous helps because then they're not afraid of saying what they really think. Exactly that. Um, and number two was learning to trust your self-actualizing tendency. Um, so this was about how we behave based on how we think we should behave, not how we actually want to behave, not how we actually feel. Mm. And it wasn't written about in the book, but my mind immediately went to men's mental health in particular. And so my mind went to like Carl Jung's research, like everyone is an actor, that's what he used to talk about, which I think lines up with this really well. But carry on with your train of thought. 
Well, it sort of went along the lines that we we behave and we present a version ourselves that we think society and other people around us want to see. And actually doing that is causing such immense harm, particularly to men. And I'm not ignoring issues with women, but the suicide rate in men is becoming more of a topic of conversation. I've, I, for one, think we need to really be pushing that further and faster. But so much of it is the inability or the lack of willingness for men to share feelings based on how we think we should be perceived. You know, this kind of action man, alpha male ideology, perhaps is the right word, um, which in the 21st century is just completely ridiculous. And yet um, it's just so ingrained in society, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, was, I don't know if it was like just our upbringing, obviously went to school together and grew up in the same environment, but that, that's definitely how we felt growing up. But I also think it's not just a responsibility for people to like say how they're feeling about those things. I think when you ask someone how they're feeling, for me, you need to really listen to the answer because that's how that, that's how people become more comfortable to to change the stereotype. And I know that this is trusting your own self-actualizing tendencies. But I think we all have a part to play in helping each other do that. Yeah. Um, God, I'm being profound today, aren't I? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting point there because so many interactions day to day is really like surface level and just transactional. So, hi, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks to you. Yeah, good. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, and they just walk off, don't you? Yeah. So I, I actually highlighted it. I had a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you know, how are you doing? And they went, oh, I'm brilliant. I was like, that's fantastic. No one ever yeah. says brilliant. Um, you should say I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> it was a bloke at swimming, um, yeah. and he'd he'd been away for a couple of weeks, and he was just happy to be back in the cold water. Um, but the fact that he was like really excited was like, yeah, I'm brilliant. And it could have been another one of those like passing yeah, conversations. Yeah. Ended up chatting for like ten or fifteen minutes, just because he'd sort of been like, yeah, life's amazing. Okay, yeah, well. And even if he said well, life's crap, like that also elicits like further conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, but a lot of that will be down to your, like you being curious. You know, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Like being genuinely curious about people builds those relationships much more effectively. Yeah, and social exploration was involved in this book again, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it there's there's these threads that run through like our existence and they, they appear in so many different forms that I just don't think we can carry on ignoring them really. Um, nice. Three was becoming aware of your inner conflicts. You know, we all have these, we've got that voice in our head that, that tells us one thing and, you know, we want to behave in another. And I think just accepting that that's okay, that we are going to have conflicting opinions within ourselves. Um, I think particularly food came to my mind here you know we want to achieve something we want to perform in a certain way or maybe look a certain way yeah but that's that doing a certain way that's what i was thinking over the weekend because i was away i was eating fast food and crap and i was just I, I just felt horrendous yeah yeah and you know just being aware of that i think and then looking out for lopsided development which was quite an interesting one really because if we become so focused on one area of our development we can actually ignore the other sides of our our own existence that do need attention as well and it was actually on one of those uh UKSCA courses um that I went on a few years ago it's not the one you just did but it was about um 
plate spinning. So when we're looking at program design, it's you you get the most results out of the plate, you spin the fastest. But if you leave one of them entirely, the plate just falls off and smashes. So we do need to to go back and, and spin the plate every now and again. And I think that's sort of pretty apt for for this. Yeah, you want to you want to be a decent generalist with a few areas of real specialty that does differentiate yourself in yeah sure in, uh, like today's working environment yeah um the next one we have kind of already covered really it was create the best version of yourself and it was karen horney in 42 quoted all of us retain the capacity to change even to change in fundamental ways as long as we live and it was about taking on this incredibly difficult feedback in order to grow um uh, and we've sort of spoken about that which leads into number six which is strive for growth and not happiness and that's it because happiness to me is a destination it's uh it's a thing it's also dependent on different factors isn't it so when people say like i want to be happy i get it it's an admirable thing to say and i think it's difficult to tell someone that well, that's a ridiculous thing to say because it's a nice thing to say, isn't it? It's a nice psychological place to be. But at the same time, it's too dependent on other people and your situation. So I think... The other thing with happiness is like, people tend to associate it with just positive emotion. Yeah. Which isn't... That's part of happiness. But when you, when you link it back to all the other things that can make you happy, like meaningful relationships, engaging work environment, like feel like you've got a sense of purpose, like all of those things make happiness. That's all of Martin Seligman's research in positive psychology. But I think most of the time when people talk about happiness, they're just thinking about positive emotion and feeling happy, which is, that's, um, yeah, that's not going to answer all your, all your problems in my uh, opinion. Not. And I think with that, that growth is within your own hands, you're in charge of that. So that level of agency and autonomy is, it's empowering, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then the last one was to harness the power of your dark side. And I enjoyed reading the research about this. It was by a chap called Rogers about um, violence. And he was he spoke with people who'd gone to counselling sessions and things like that. And, and initially they'd been afraid to talk about their violent tendencies because they thought it would make them like okay with being violent. Um, his research was all about violence and violent tendencies, so that's kind of where I'm going to go with this. But what it actually did was once they were open about it and embraced the fact that they had a dark side, they actually exhibited said negative behaviours less frequently and more appropriately. So it wasn't just in the shopping queue. It might be on the sports field, you know, within the rules. But, you know, that kind of thing, which I think was quite nice, again, accepting the whole self not ignoring the fact that everyone's got a dark side as well yeah all of mine come out of driving or playing call of duty well i actually listened to a podcast on anger and there's mm -hmm. something like seven causes for anger and road rage it's really easy because it's like um being denied is a cause for anger so being told no um threat to self threat to loved ones uh and there was one more so i think yeah, it was like road rage can tick off all of those pretty much yeah it's like mm. four out of the seven major causes of anger can be from when you're driving a car yeah 
So, um, yeah, it's not surprising. And the last one was all about fear. Um, like the different fear we have, uh, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of losing control, fear of losing emotional con contact, and then fear of losing reputation. And that hit home as well, because I think at some point, you know, I don't mind saying that I've felt all of those things. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be to a, a huge degree or for an extended period of time, but they've definitely been present. Yeah, yeah. Like fear of failure for me has been a massive driver in my career. Obviously, I dropped out of law school after like three months, whatever it was. And for me, it was like, fuck whatever I go into next, I can't fail at this again. Yeah, it puts pressure on yourself, doesn't it? Yeah. But actually, had you failed and then had you got up again and carried on with something new, that wouldn't have been a failure. Yeah. And then like, sometimes, like fear, fear of rejection, like I reckon most guys, most single guys feel that every day. Um, of like dating and that kind of stuff. Like, it's really, really common. And that's why we revert back to these apps and things, right? Because it removes that that human element, that level of embarrassment. Yeah. Um, but we've spoken about this, this rejection, um, when we were looking at the confidence book by James Smith. Yeah. What's the worst thing that can happen in a, in that sort of scenario? Yeah. The worst thing is, oh, I've got a boyfriend. Sorry. Or you drop out of like me dropping out of law. You just go on to the next thing and just move on. Yeah. Like. It's just, it's not so often we catastrophize these potential situations in our head, and actually they're not that big a deal. Which was how Maslow looked at um, sort of progressing from these psychological fears. So it's determine the fear you most like to work on, and then you have to write down this reflection. He said it's not enough to do it, just do it mentally, but what is it precisely that you're afraid of? So actually think about it and speak very definitely about what you're afraid of um what might happen uh what could be potentially favorable if that negative thing were to happen and then what ways might you grow what might you learn and then obviously we're talking about negative situations here with fear you know what parts of yourself can you actually rely on to a either negate that negative action happening in the first place or like mitigate the the sort of scale of the the negative outcome you know are you you know super compassionate are you very well organized you know all these different types of qualities are you very brave courageous that actually means that when these failures do come and these fears are realized actually you deal with it way better than you thought you ever would yeah um yeah and that was my that was my main takeaway i mean there's a few takeaways in there but I we, we've done a few of these book reviews and I think this has probably been the toughest read yeah but I'd say it's been the most worthwhile yeah 100 we, we spoke about this I'm definitely gonna have to reread this a couple of times um because I'm sure reading through that there's a load of things that I didn't take on board um the, the last thing I wrote down from that second half of the book was I can't remember what part of the book that he was referring to but he spoke about imagining you had a year left to live. And we were talking about this just before we started recording, but um, taking that not too literally. Well, I don't know, this is how I saw it. If you, if you take that, my first thought would be, okay, I've got a year left to live. I'm probably not going to spend four hours of my day tomorrow on my phone scrolling through social media and doing a load of other stuff. It's just a waste of time. But when you really think about it, like I'm also not going to 
quit my job, sell all my possessions and go and travel for a year or spend more time with my family, which if I had a year left to live, that's realistically probably what I'd do. Um, but yeah, I think not taking that literally, it's a really nice quote um, or what's the word, like motto to live your life by. Yeah, I, I like it. Right do you remember we had Carpe Diem at school? What do you call that? That's a motto. It is a motto, yeah. Or, or a mantra, slightly different, but yeah. ethos. Yeah, and anything, anything like that. It's, it's quite good to keep something like that in the forefront of your mind, I think, day to day. Yeah, I think it can help drive that. Like all the things that we've spoken about, can't it? It can help you stop just staying still where you are. Any step forward is progress. Yeah. And if you're thinking, oh, if this was my last year, then you're not going to want to stay and just flick through your phone for hours and end. No, you're going to want to take steps, be brave, do something different, and and try and achieve. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So that, that's transcendence ticked off. Yeah, we've nailed it. We're getting good at this. Yeah, we're definitely going to do an easier book next time, though. Yeah. <laughs> like the Gruffalo or something. <laughs> yeah, there, there we have it. That's, that's a wrap. We haven't actually decided what we're going to cover on next week's episode yet, have we? Oh, I've got a few ideas. I'll share them with you after. Lovely stuff. Um, uh, so, yeah, there, there we have it. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for next week. Um, maybe we'll put some stuff on social media in the week about what, what next week is going to be about. So, Give us a follow at the other 99% on Instagram. Cracking. See you next time.